Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. What's up, all you thrifty investors? You have tuned in to a podcast that is going to be very, very helpful if you're trying to figure out the best way to optimize your expenses. Specifically, we're going to break this down into the new school versus old school techniques for managing OPEX and CAPEX. And when I say new school versus old school, this is not like an official thing anybody refer uses. It's not terminology. We're making it up right now because we know some older gentlemen who use one style of managing OPEX and CAPEX. And then there's, a, there's another school, newer school, that manages in a slightly different way. So... Dan, why don't you break this down? What is let's let's take a high level first. What's what's OPEX? What's CAPEX? All right. Definition time. Operating expenses, your reoccurring expenses associated with operating your asset. So utility bills, property management fees, insurance, taxes, repairs and maintenance. Mm-hmm. Those are operating expenses, right? They're naturally uh, they're reoccurring, regular occurring expenses. Now Capital expenses are something a little bit different, and there's some nuance in trying to figure out what those are. But these are mostly going to be either improvements to a property, like you throw a new roof on or something like that, or a large non-reoccurring expense that's improving the property in some way, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not an aesthetic improvement, but it's just, you know, for example, we just had to replace a, a, an electrical panel at one of our buildings, right? We're not going to get more like higher rent for that. Mm-hmm. Residents could care less, but uh, it upgraded the building in the sense that it's newer, so more fuses. So, mm-hmm. but it's you're not going to do that every month. So, you go and you remove the roof, you put on a new roof. Correct. Capex. Maybe depends on who you are. Mm. Okay. How about there. this? What if what if it's just like hail damage? You got you got to go patch it. Is that opex or capex? Again, depends on who you are. Yeah, it depends on who you are. And traditionally, a lot of people look at it as like, okay, is this repairing something or replacing it? That's mm-hmm. another way to look at it. Yep. Um, but really, it's up to the individual, to be honest. Yeah, and this is the part that's important, is that it is nuanced. And there's, there are more right ways and wrong ways that you can do this, but like it is kind of up to you as an operator in some ways to decide. And usually, the new school method, like a lot of times when people are going into an asset, say syndicators, they're going to try to to minimize their opex as much as possible. And real quick, we should have said this right away. We're not CPAs. Yeah, this yeah. is not tax advice. Oh. Do not go and file your taxes in a certain way because of what we're saying here. If you are listening to this <laughs> podcast for any period of time and you needed us to clarify that fact for you, that's for the newbies. Everyone else, knows yeah, we you should know by now. We don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> Come on now. Anyways, continue. Okay, so um, you know. A new school syndicator going in, doing the value add model, looking to get into an asset, pump the valuation, and then you know sell it down the road, maybe in three to five years. They're going to try to minimize their their op their opex as much as possible. Yeah, because they've got investors and they um, got their investors interested in a deal because of at least in somewhat in some part due to cash flow. Cash right? flow. So they they said, hey, I'm going to show you a five percent 
8% whatever cash on cash return. Uh, pretty hard to do that if you replace a roof and you, you know, have that running through your P&L. Mm-hmm. The other side of this is by keeping the OPEX low, it keeps your operating, your expense ratio low mm-hmm. so that when you go to sell the building, you can, you can make an argument and say, look how profitable, look how much cash flow this thing's generating. So the new school technique or, you know, leaning towards is trying to push as many of those expenses to CapEx below the line is what that's called below the line, because there it's kind of a black box. It's not really clear what went into it, what didn't go into it. But if you can take your property with 42% operating expense ratio versus 48%, well, now you can get more money for it when you sell, right? Yeah. I mean, um, what someone who doesn't capitalize these things would do is they would have to go back and pull those out and show Mm -hmm. somebody their adjusted financials. Now, that's assuming that they were savvy enough. The buyer would savvy enough to to request that. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look and someone's got an 80 percent expense ratio, okay. You know, either this guy's an idiot or there's there's some capex that needs to be pulled out. Yeah. But you know, the other angle which I the reason I like to capitalize more and run less through the opex is because you get a much clearer picture of how that property is actually operating. Because if you look at some of these P and Ls that come from these guys that that um, don't capitalize things, um, it, it's kind of tough to see. But you know, the big question that people are probably wondering is, okay, wh- why wouldn't you do this? Why would you run everything through your operating expenses? Yep. Not and only this is, is it going to muddy the water, but the bank when you send them your financials, they'll be like, what the hell is happening here? You're losing money. Yeah. Um, the reason they do this is because a lot of those guys don't do cost seg studies. They don't do accelerated depreciation. And so they save on taxes by trying to make their profit on a monthly basis go away by increasing their expenses. So um, if you do cost seg studies, and that's how you're protecting yourself from the uh, tax perspective, trying to load up on the operating expenses is completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why we call it old school versus old school. new school. It's typically the, a lot of the older guys are used to not doing accelerated depreciation, and they just plow on the um, operating expenses and they don't have investors. So Which makes care. sense, right? Like, because they were, if you're an old school dude and you've been doing this for 20 years, you've been operating in an environment where, you know, only it's been in recent years where the cost seg with the accelerated depreciation has been like super, super beneficial in early years. Yeah. Right? So I'm guessing yeah. if you were doing this methodology in the early 2000s and the early aughts, then, you know, you're not going to change your strategy, how you're you're running your portfolio as of like 2016 when a lot of these things started to change. Yeah, and, and the other thing that can get kind of dicey is if you do load up on the operating expenses as opposed to capitalizing things below the line is that when you go and you show the bank your financials, um, most regional banks want to see these things on an annual basis. They might take a look at a year where you did a bunch of renovations and assume that, hey, that's going to continue into the future. Mm, right. That's true. And uh, one of these guys that we've, we purchased from actually told me this. He said on one property, I think it was like a 30, 40 unit building. He bought like 20 refrigerators in one month. And they were like, oh, you, you're going to do that every month. Right. He's like, what? No, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> it's, it's in my operating expenses, but I'm not obviously not going to buy new fridges every single month. That's not. Sorry. So it could get a little dicey if you're using if you're dealing with a, a new person at a bank who doesn't really have logic. So when you when you capitalize something from a technical like okay, I want I've decided I want to put this into my opex versus my capex. If I how do you capitalize? Like what do you technically do? Do you have to declare it? Do you put that onto your P&L somewhere? Like you amortize it over the life of um, now again not CPA. I don't know the exact duration, but it gets amortized. Over it's it's like you depreciate over time, yep. so it gets amortized. And you'll see it um, on your tax returns, but as far as like your P and L is concerned, it's not going to show up there. So 
So this is sense. really something that you're going to be handing over to your CPA and then they're, a, they're, yeah. probably, they're doing it for it's you. It's more of a tax thing, yep. right? But most operators, most investors, we're really concerned with monthly cash flow, right? Yep. So that's where we look. But yeah, if you look at tax returns, you'll be able to see, okay, here's here's all the stuff we, we capitalized this year. Here's, you know, the, the schedule for that. And Can you get into any trouble if you overcapitalize? Well, that's the thing. I've, I've, <laughs> I've asked um, a lot of CPAs about, okay, like how do we draw the lines with CapEx for, versus OpEx? And some people or some CPAs will tell me, oh, you know, it's really kind of a dollar amount thing. If it's like, you know, under a thousand bucks, you probably don't want to try to capitalize it. I don't know if anyone, if the IRS mm. is really going in there and, and auditing things because it's, um, I mean, if you're doing it at scale. There's a lot of transactions. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Really. That's, if a, that's the answer. Yeah. yeah if, Talk if to your a, CPA. <laughs> if it's a replacement, if it's a, a large dollar amount thing, if it's an improvement in some way, I think if it can fit in one or more of those categories without too much of a stretch, you're probably fine. Well, this is this is the thing that fascinates me most about taxes. At the end of the day, the the tax code is massive and nobody, nobody, even like the the auditor with the IRS has the full picture and scope of the tax code in their in their head. And so a lot of it just comes down to who can come to the table with the best story and documentation to support that story. So if you can come and you can make a compelling argument about why you chose to do capitalize it versus put it into the OPEX and you have documentation for it and it's a well-reasoned um, explanation, you're, you could probably get away with it. But the question is like, can you do that? Well, I don't know if it really makes a huge difference from the IRS's perspective. I'm just speculating because I've never really thought about it, but if it's an operating expense that reduces your income and means you don't have to pay tax on the money, right? And mm-hmm. if it's capitalized, it reduces your tax liability from a in a different way. But in both Does situations, yeah, it, it doesn't really net. Like, I don't think one will impact the IRS differently than the other. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong. I'm just thinking about this for the first time. But I don't know if that's the thing the IRS is going to be the most concerned with. This would be an interesting question for the audience if we have any CPAs or tax gurus out there. Oh, they're commenting. And they're like, you, guys you guys are, are coming. Uh, your keyboards are already <laughs> smoking. I can smell them. Um, but let us know, shoot us a review, shoot us an email, shoot us a comment, uh, and let us know if you have some insight into this, you know, we're, we're down to learn because again, like taxes and like tax treatment of all this stuff, it's like so esoteric and deep and it's exciting too. Yeah. It's (laughs) thrilling information. But if you have any insight into like why the IRS would care, uh, how you categorize an expense, let us know. We'll, We'll, Bring it back to you guys in a future episode if somebody shares a reasonable answer. If you, I swear to God, if you give me a crate, calm down. Whoever you are out there right now on the keyboard, just listen to me. Listen, if you are going to write us a comment, please, please, please do not make it into in like an eight sentence chunk of paragraph. Like Break it up. Mm. Break it up. And don't use all caps either. Just to chill. Well, how are we going to know they're yelling? I will assume it. I will assume you're yelling. Um, (laughs) And if you could go ahead and do the TLDR at the bottom and just like, what's the too long, didn't read, give me the bullet points. That would be very helpful because I'm short attention span. Yeah, I think that's it. That's all we got. Most of that was probably incorrect, but there might be something (laughs) there that you you take away. Remember, we're not your your tax advisors and Mm -hmm. we should, uh, you should never listen to us. So with that said, come back next time.
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.